Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning and let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. All right, let's try this again. Hopefully my internet connection is more stable. All right, what's going on, everybody? Champagne Sharks. This is Mario sitting in solo this morning or this afternoon, depending on wherever you are in the country. Hope everybody's doing good, man. Just decided this morning. I didn't really have a topic in mind. Uh, There's a lot actually going on. I just wanted to jump on and rub my mouth for a while with you guys and kind of check in and let you know what's been going on with me lately and just chop it up about some of the things going on in the media. And in the social media realm, I know some of you guys hate that shit, though. <laughs> I know some of you guys hate when we discuss Twitter antics. And, and believe me, we don't like it either. But, you know, um, we just feel like certain things uh, have to be given attention for the sake of things that are going on in the community. You know what I mean? Um There are a lot of behaviors and influences that start on social media that actually end up infiltrating real life, believe it or not, Um, especially with how much time online people spend nowadays. You know, I think I saw the last survey, I saw people spend an average of four to five hours online. You know, back in the day, it used to be the complaints about how much time people spent watching television and shit like that. But like now it's complaints about how much people, how much time people spend on social media. You know, we haven't really, because it's so new, relatively speaking, we haven't really seen what the long-term effects of that are, is going to be um, on us as a whole. And, you know, societal-wise, we haven't seen what the effects are going to be long-term, man. So it's always interesting to see what trends are going on and discuss it and go from there. But, um... Anyway, yeah, man, you know, I've been recording fairly infrequently compared to when the show first started some years back. Um, you know, it's just been a lot of personal upheaval in my life and everybody's lives, really, man, because, you know, uh, going into COVID, you know, that kind of threw everybody back. Uh, in my own personal workspace, I know that I had a lot of coworkers that ended up taking time off due to COVID, whether they themselves uh, caught the virus or the, a loved one that they were having to take care of caught the virus. So I was lucky, man. I didn't catch it. I did not catch it. And um, I've been working pretty much nonstop since the shit happened. You know, since 2020, I've been pretty much all gas, no breaks, uh, no vacation, nothing. (laughs) So um, eventually, eventually it got closer and closer to me, though, which was funny because a coworker of mine caught it and then she took off. She actually never came back. Uh, because I think she was immunocompromised to begin with. So she never wanted to come back and place herself in harm's way. Um, then I had another coworker. He caught it. He was gone for a few weeks and came back. And then he left and moved to Vegas. And then I uh, had another one catch it. And I think she's still dealing with the after effects of the virus, man. That virus, it really does a number on your immune system. It does a number on any type of 
uh, ailment that you may have previously suffered from as well. Um, I think she had issues with her sinuses. A lot of people do, but you know, some people weigh more than others. So when she caught COVID, it really, really did a number on her nasal cavities and things like that to the point where she still has issues to this very day. And she's been COVID free for like a year and a half. And so you kind of hear a lot about that, the long-term effects of people who catch COVID. You know, some people still haven't uh, had their sense of smell return fully or their sense of taste return. It's crazy, man. And, um, you know, me, myself, as someone who's immunocompromised, I took whatever precautions that I could, you know, constantly washing my hands, constantly using hand sanitizer, wearing the mask the whole night. I even caved in and got the damn shot. Yes, I caved in and got the damn shot. <laughs> I know all the controversies surrounding that. Some people are going to be like, I'm a sellout. I, I caved in and all that kind of stuff. Well, hey, man, call it what you want. You know, um, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so I'm considered immunocompromised. And from what I saw from COVID, I didn't want no part of that shit. You know, uh, rheumatoid is bad enough as it is on its own. I get flare ups where it just feels like all of my joints are just just got in an MMA lock or some shit. You know what I mean? Like I did jujitsu with somebody and they just put me in the worst holds all at once and shit. You know, that's what it feels like when you get a a flare up, when you have rheumatoid arthritis, it's in your hips, it's in your knees, it's in your ankles, it's in your, your fingers, your elbows, your shoulders, like it's horrible. And so knowing that COVID kind of like compounds everything that's already wrong with you. I didn't want no part of that, man. So I went on ahead and I got the Johnson and Johnson, which is, you know, the least popular of the the three vaccines. But um I got it, you know, single shot, got it, and I was done. Which is funny because when I got that shot, um somebody paint somebody fainted. The guy who got their shot before we did, uh, he actually passed out at the <laughs> at the site. So, you know, think about that with all the rumors and, and, and paranoia that went around with regard to when they get the shot in the first place. Imagine you're, you're waiting in line to receive your shot and you see a guy get his shot and he passes out. <laughs> so, I'm like, God damn, what are we getting ourselves into, man? You know, but uh, I went ahead and got it. I didn't have any of the side effects that a lot of people complain about. I think my arm was sore for like a half a day or something like that. But other than that, man, I've been good to go. So. I just been out here moving and grooving and I started having some health problems, man, um, this year, actually, um, just because I'm not in the greatest of shape anymore. I, I, I will confess, you know, I don't work out as often as I should. My diet is horrible. And so, you know, I started to uh, when you turn 40, those of you who have reached that that age, you know, like everything that you did in terms of neglecting your body comes back to kick your ass when you turn 40 years old. You know, so those of you who haven't turned 40 yet, you have that to look forward to. So you better take care of business now, because believe you me, when I tell you um, it will come back to haunt you when you reach your 40s, man. Um, So I've been having this pain in my left side, like this really sharp pain. And um, it was so much so that like when I would try to go to sleep at night, I would lay on one side and it would hurt so much. It would wake me up out of my sleep. And so this would go on. This went on for about like two weeks, man. And uh, it just got to the point where I said, okay, I got to go to the doctor because I'm thinking maybe I strained something. Because, you know, that's another thing when you're 40, like you, you just the, the minor shit 
you hurt yourself, you know, just sitting up real fast in bed or something, you get a back spasm, like it's just crazy, right? You get leg cramps, shit happens to your lower back, like just out of nowhere. You're like, what the hell's going on? You know? And um, so I thought maybe I did something to my ribs, maybe something at work. So I went to the doctor and uh, told him what was going on with me. And I've been having some nausea and, uh, you know, some other things. So um, they recommended that I get a colonoscopy and all these different things. So got the colonoscopy that came back negative. Um, no, no issues. I went and said, okay, well, this shit is still going on. So let's try an endoscopy. That's where they stick something down your esophagus and, you know, search the upper intestinal region into the, I think they go into the, the small intestine as well and, uh, found nothing there. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm still having these issues. And so they did a CAT scan. They did a CT scan. Nothing's coming up, man. Then they did a, um, an ultrasound. Nothing's coming up really major. And so I've been, um, as I was working, man, I just started having, I have a route and usually, uh, my route, I usually have between 17 and 20 stops. And I can usually do those within, you know, six and a half, seven and a half hours max. It has started taking me like nine hours to do my route. And then all of a sudden, it also got to the point where I could only do about half the work within the, the same frame of time that I was used to. You know what I'm saying? Because I just, something was wrong. I, I, I wasn't able to get it going. Like everything wasn't firing on all cylinders, man. So I said, okay. Something's really wrong here. I need to figure it out. And so um, that's where we're at right now. I had to take some time off of work and getting some tests done. And we're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on with me, man. I'm just trying to listen to my body. Um, you guys know Mike passed away a few years ago. And, uh, you know, so that kind of really uh, served as a, I don't want to say a little fire under me, but it, it, made me be more cognizant of the things that are going on with my personal health. You know, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, just works until I drop dead because as the old saying goes, as soon as you drop dead, they're going to tell you, thank you for your service. And they're going to hire somebody within the week. So I'm listening to my body, man. And I'm going to try to figure out what the hell is going on with me and uh, get better. So that's where we're at with it right now. But um, all that personal drama aside, man, everything else has been good, man. My son graduated from high school last year. Um, he's in his first year of college. I've been looking at a couple of items in the news lately, not just in the news, but in social media as well. And uh, it's a lot going on, man. You got uh, the media reporting on mass shootings all over the country. You know, every day it's, you know, 13 people wounded, three killed and all this type of thing. And I find it interesting. I was actually joking with Ken yesterday. Um, I made the the observation that when the Buffalo um, terrorist attack happened, and yeah, we're going to call it a terrorist attack because that's what it was, an act of domestic terrorism. A lot of conservatives, Candace, tightening of language, trying to um, downplay what happened in Buffalo as a unique tragedy by comparing it to, you know, everyday gang violence. And don't, don't, don't get me wrong. That gang violence is horrible because there are a lot of innocent people that get hurt when these things happen. A lot of people that don't have anything to do with the two groups of people that have the problem with each other. Right. So I think we can all acknowledge that. But language is very important. Not everything is the same. Not 
all of the reasoning is the same behind why these crimes happen, right? Because one of the things that needs to be addressed is the types of preventative measures that we take to stop these tragedies, aside from the conversation about gun control, which is a conversation that definitely can be had. But I'm talking about intervention and those types of things, the measures that stop these things from happening before they happen. So it's very important, I think, for us to be very strict with how we define these things, right? An act of domestic terrorism is way different from uh, gang violence caused by socioeconomic conditions, or at least the origin of it is socioeconomic. Um, other factors come into play, I think, you know, as the years go by when these guys start killing each other and whatnot. But it, the, 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 um, the origin of it is always going to be socioeconomic. Um, when you start talking about these young men that get involved in hate groups and decide to go on these mass killing sprees and things like that, the the, the motives are often very are often different, right? So the things that make you know some white guy living in upstate New York decide to drive 200 miles to Buffalo that comes from a wealthy family, you know, are going to be a lot different from some kid that grows up in South Central Los Angeles or somewhere in Chicago, south side of Chicago or Philly, you know, where all these crimes are happening, the reasoning is going to be a lot different, right? And I think it's very important for us to keep that in mind when we discuss these things, because we listen to the media, it's all the same, right? It's all the same. They're going to just flatten everything out. So what I was having, what I, let me get back to what I was talking to Ken about yesterday. Um, so I sent him, a, I said, you know, it's funny, uh, how conservatives were trying to just conflate all these mass shootings just the other day because they thought it was going to score them some political points. But then liberals did an interesting trick. They said, hey, you know what? You're absolutely right. They are all mass shootings. And as a matter of fact, there's at least about 200 of them every other week. And you know what? That's why we need gun control, you know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden conservatives, no, 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 no. That's not what we mean. Actually, no, it is different. There is a difference, you know? <laughs> so... Now, all of a sudden, they want to have a nuanced conversation about gun violence when it comes to, you know, the precious Second Amendment. And uh, I just find that very interesting how, you know, we we I don't even know, not we because I don't do that shit, but how they tried to use that as a as a moment to score some points. And then it had the opposite effect that they thought it was going to have. And then they all of a sudden backpedal, um, you know, from that bullshit that they are trying to spew is it's real interesting how that works. But um, be that as it may, you know, um, I don't know, man, I, I, you know, one of my favorite sayings is I don't have all the answers and, and I don't, but I just know what I know. And I don't know what can make somebody get up and decide they're going to drive, you know, X amount of hours to go to some little town somewhere to go to a grocery store and, and kill 10, 15 people or whatever it is, you know. Um, I do know a little bit about what would make a kid growing up in an inner city join a gang and, you know, try to uh, hurt, maim, kill the people that we perceive as our enemies because I grew up in that life. I was a part of that. I participated in that. So, you know, I kind of know a little bit about that. And, you know, um, aside from the socioeconomic pressures, there's the peer pressure aspect of it. Um, and not just the peer pressure of people pressuring you to join a gang. There's also the pressure of seeing people that you played with since first grade or whatever, um, you know, become teenagers and die. Right. 
that's what got me involved. Uh, you know, I grew up in that stuff, but I stayed out of it until I was about 13 years old. And, um, you know, somebody that was a real close friend of mine was killed in a gang ambush. And so that kind of turned me up and made me get involved because, you know, you kill my homeboy. So, you know, now I got to get involved and um, get retaliation. And now I hate you because you took something away from me that I love, you know, and then it just goes on and on and back and forth and on and on it goes. But uh, it's clear on the show a couple of times, but be it as it may, I think it's very important to close whatever loopholes people take advantage of to get a hold of weapons and things like that, especially we don't want those that are not supposed to have that shit having access to them, right? People that have been uh, committed to mental institutions against their will, you know, people that have committed domestic violence, you know, have a history of beating on women, things of that sort. One of the things that I do kind of take issue with is um, restrict the restriction of felons. And hear me out. This is why I say that. Um, if you're a guy that got in trouble when you were younger or whatever, you did your time, you got out, you haven't been in trouble, you know, in over a decade or whatever like that. Um, I think you should have all your rights restored to the fullest. Like, I, I don't believe in having rights stripped away um, in perpetuity. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just that's it. You messed up. You don't ever get a second chance again. And I say that when I'm speaking about voting rights, everything, right? Um, people make mistakes. And if you let a guy out of prison and you, he goes and com completes his parole or whatever the case is, and he's doing everything that he's supposed to do, he, she's doing everything she's supposed to do, and they become a productive member of society, I don't see any reason to um, hold something over them for the rest of their lives. Now, there's levels to it. <laughs> I'm willing to concede that. Um, you know, somebody commits a particularly heinous crime, you know, they chop some people up, you know, something crazy like that, then, of course, we can have that conversation that, you know, there's obviously going to be levels to it. But somebody like that, you're probably not going to ever let them out of prison to begin with. I'm speaking specifically about people who you have deemed to be rehabilitated. Otherwise, why the hell are you letting them back onto the streets? So if you decide that these people are worth being let back out on the streets, then they deserve to have all of their full rights restored. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but um, hell, there's even disagreement about that within the Second Amendment community. People who are the strong super advocates of you know people being able to have whatever kind of guns they want, there's a lot of disagreement when it comes to the rights of felons being restored, right? Um, now, some of that is, I, I, they'll never admit it, but I believe a lot of that has to do with racial politics just because I troll a lot of those forums and I see how those guys talk. So, you know, I know a lot of that has to do with um, the, excuse me, the color of the felon. But um, nevertheless, it is a conversation that that is had within the frame of that community. But um, we have to be consistent in how we apply these these laws and take caution. Right. Because we don't want to let the wrong people um be able to have access to weapons and things like that. But I do think it's fair for people who've paid their price and paid their dues to be able to get all of their rights back. That's just me. But I'm going to switch gears to another topic. And this topic actually comes from social media. And it's one of the topics that comes from social media is actually worth having a discussion about in a serious discussion. And that's the state of the socioeconomic condition of the country. Um, there's been a lot of threads on Twitter lately 
you know, about whether you're talking about gas prices, whether you're talking about rent increases, the cost of home ownership, the accessibility of home ownership, uh, the ability to get loans, things of that sort. And then there's also, you know, what's going on with jobs, whether you can find a job that pays a living wage, living wage versus the minimum wage, because that's a conversation that people weren't paying too much attention to, but there's a very distinct difference between a living wage and a, a, a minimum wage, right? Um, and so these are conversations that are happening because people are really being affected. People's lives are really being affected and not for the better. I think this is the first time in my adult life since I've been a responsible adult. And when I say responsible adult, I just mean, you know, out of my mother's house, on my own, paying my own bills, working, et cetera, et cetera. This is the first time that I've noticed that everything seems to be on a downturn. And I mean everything. There's not one sector that I can think of where there's positive news coming, right? Housing, jobs, um, you know, health, people's personal finances, everything just seems to be bleak. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with with the pandemic understandably. But I I think a a lot of it also just has to do with bad policy, bad, bad policy from our politicians on both ends of the aisle. Um, And some of it is definitely bad personal decisions. You know, I I don't want to ever take away people's own agency in terms of the decisions that they make that affect their lives. Right. Man, I'm living out here and I'm doing those things. And a lot of people barely have money at the end of everything in order to even save. You know, that's just the honest to God truth, man. Like um, by the time you get finished paying your rent, your bills, uh, your 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 miscellaneous necessities, man, you, you don't have that much left over to save and, you know, try to get to a better position in life and things like that. A lot of these companies are not paying a living wage. Or even if you are fortunate enough to find a company that pays a living wage, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for growth. A lot of these places don't offer a pension. So those of us who are in my age range, we're, we're at that age where we can start, where we should start thinking about our retirement, right? Because we don't have that, but so much uh, work left in us, right? So we're at the age where we need to start thinking about our retirement. Social security is always in peril. At least that's what they tell us. And nothing seems to be underway to try and shore that up. So, I mean, there's a lot of, of bad news out there for people. And people are hurting, man. Um, some of it is, like I said, bad personal choices. But a lot of it, I think most of it has to do with capitalism. Let's just keep it 100, right? And so when I, when I parse Twitter and I look at some of the conversations that are going on, I'm looking at a thread right now, right? Gas going from 2 to $3 a gallon. And let me just say this right here in California, gas has been over two, three dollars a gallon for a long time now, like two, three dollars. We, we, we praising Jesus at that point. Right. It's been over four dollars for a while out here. It fluctuates. Sometimes it does go into like the mid three dollar tier, but we haven't seen two dollar gas prices in years. Um, but anyway, I digress. So gas going from three from two to three dollars to five to seven dollars per gallon in months is not a normal inflation rate. And rent doubling within a year or two is not a normal inflation rate. And that's another aspect of it. Um, Housing. You know, we have a housing crisis where um, people can't afford to pay rent and, you know, people can't afford to buy a home. People can't get home loans. 
there's so much going on. And on top of all of that, you got these vagrancy laws coming out. So, you know, if you're homeless, it's illegal to even be homeless. Right. But we don't want to set up facilities for homeless people to live at because we don't want all those drunk people over here, all those drug addicts over here by us. But we don't want to set aside. So we don't want to set aside funding to even have place to live, but we don't want them sleeping on the streets anymore either. So it's just like, what the hell do you do? What are the solutions? And it just seems like there's a lot of deflection. There's a lot of kicking things down the curb for the next generation to deal with. And time's running out. It seems, at least that's what it seems like to me, you know, take the cost of, of uh, goods and services and, and food, right? That stuff's going up because gas is so high. It, trucking companies have to pour more resources in the fuel and those, so they have to raise the prices for what it costs to deliver things across the country. And then you end up paying for that at the grocery store, right? So, you know, the cost of your basic necessities, milk, eggs, cheese, whatever you eat, that goes up. Produce goes up. Vegetables, fruit, all of that stuff goes up. And if you don't have a living wage to go with these these rising inflation costs, what the hell do you do? And so a lot of people are taking to social media to complain about it, and rightfully so. Um, you can only hustle your way out of so much. And I'm, I say this as somebody who I firmly believe in not waiting around for things to happen. I believe in being proactive. I believe in getting your ass up, doing what you need to do in order to get yourself out of a situation. But make no mistake, um, self-efficacy, you can have a very high level of it, but eventually the cost of living is going to catch your ass, right? You can't outwork the inevitable. And so what are the solutions? Who are the politicians that are working to try and implement real solutions? Um, What are the prospects of them getting elected into office at the local and state level, right? Because that's where things need to take effect. All politics is local. And so who are your local and state elected officials and what are they doing to help combat some of this madness? Right. Who are these people that we're sending to Washington? What the hell are they doing? These are all questions to ask. The time for like voting just to vote or, you know, voting for people just because they have that R or that D by their name and all of that stuff. That stuff is over with, man. Like we need to understand policy and, and what type of policy these people plan to implement and push for once they get into office, right? Um, What are some of the older, some of the politicians that we champion who are older now, you know, what are they doing? Are they grooming um, protégés or anything like that? Or, you know, does Bernie plan on running again, even though he's going to be 185 years old by the time the next election comes around? Does he have a protégé that he's grooming or is there anyone who's going to be a successor? Or are we just all going to be waiting for Bernie, um, you know, for another hundred years, <laughs> right? With with the hell's going on, you know. So I'm open to to um, trying to find out what the answers are um, and who the thought leaders that are pushing attainable solutions, not just sloganeering, not complaining about what the other party is or isn't doing, but the part, the people who are actually out there trying to affect change and and um, that are actually going to do something once they get there, once we send them into office. Who are these people? Because I'm going to tell you, man, like I said earlier, um, these are very real issues and and you're not going to be able to just hustle your way out of it. I'm sorry. And like I said, I'm an advocate of getting off your ass, doing the work, doing whatever you need to do in order to secure your future, right, within legal means. But 
that trick can only take you so far, man. I'm being very honest. As someone who does it and who's been there, done all that, like that's only gonna take you so far. There needs to be some type of systemic change in order to facilitate better lives for people, right? Because the people, the kids that are graduating now, like my son's generation and uh, Kenny's daughter just recently graduated, like they're going into a future that is very different from the things that we were promised when we graduated from high school, right? The formula was you graduate from high school, you go to college, you get your degree, you get this good job, right? And the little house with the white picket fence and the dog and the two and a half kids and all of that. Uh, the math ain't math in that, in that equation anymore, right? So now it's you go to college, you get your degree, you get thousands and thousands of dollars into debt, and you get a job in a field that is not, not only is it not related to what you went to school for, but it doesn't even pay a living wage a lot of the time, right? So who are the politicians and the, and the, the thought leaders that are out there trying to implement real solutions, right? Not just sloganeering, not just um, bitching and complaining about, you know, the person with the D behind their name or the person with the R behind their name or whatever the case may be, all the political bickering and whatnot. Who's out there on the ground talking to the people that wants to go get sent to office and, 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 and affect real change, right? That's what we want. But we don't seem to get that. We elect these people, they get in the office and they do absolutely nothing, right? They do absolutely nothing. They get married, they go on vacations, they're living a nice life, but the lives of regular everyday people don't seem to change much. So that's just kind of like where my thoughts are about that whole thing, man. Like, and, and I know, like, please don't come to me for the answers. <laughs> All I can tell you is control what you can control. I think that's the best advice I can give people that are struggling right now. What are the things that you personally can control? 